Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump tries to clean up the mess and only makes it worse. <laughs> what do you say, everybody? Here we go on a Wednesday, middle of the week, Wednesday, July 18. Hello, hello, hello. Well, great to see you. And thank you for climbing on board the Bill Press bus as we head out from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And off we go, joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, uh, Northeast, southwest, coast to coast, we are there right alongside of you with all the news of the day uh, just surrounding, uh, all sort of related to, uh, still reaction to the uh, disastrous summit between uh, Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump in Helsinki, the disastrous news conference following it where uh, Donald Trump kowtowed to uh, Vladimir Putin uh, and just basically gave him one great big wet French kiss and then walked off the stage, decided he would take the side of Russia over the side of the United States, came home to a Niagara Falls of criticism from Democrats and Republicans, so much so that, unusual for Donald Trump, he really felt that he had to try to explain himself and apologize and try to correct the record yesterday and he failed miserably at it only, again, only made it worse. You know what I'm talking about? We'll tell you more about it here on the Bill Press Show, and look forward to hearing from you what you think about it, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We dive right into it with a great lineup of guests today, including Congressman Ted Lieu from California. But first... This is the Full Court Press. You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news, Bill. I know you were waiting to hear the update. Uh, on the uh, All-Star the Game? The All-Star Game. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. The uh, All-Star by Game the way, was last night. My final point on how ridiculous the Home Run Derby is. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> um, 
the, the, the winner, the guy. Bryce Harper. I'm sorry, Bryce Harper. Yeah. His father was pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's they all get to pick their own pitcher because that's the yeah, deal. Right. They're, not, okay. they're not hard pitches mm-hmm. to throw. None of yeah, them are. I know. I used to pitch to my sons, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I could hit the. I could hit those balls. You could hit, you could hit home runs? You yes. could hit 47 <laughs> home runs? Uh, okay, well, so the home run derby was the other night, but last night was the actual game. Uh, it was the American League versus the National League. It was a pretty exciting game, by the way. It went into extra yeah, innings. Yeah. In the 10th inning, Houston Astros third baseman Alex Bregman hit the go-ahead home run to put the American League up 8-6, to six, and that would be the final score. He was named MVP of the game, so uh, if you're keeping track, the Washington Nationals were on the losing team. Yes, Max Scherzer, mm-hmm. Max Scherzer of the Nationals started the game, yeah. only pitched an inning before they came up, but that's how these things go. They right, do a lot of right. rotation. By the way, a weird, weird moment during the All-Star game, the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Hader, a pitcher, uh, during the game, some old tweets surfaced from about eight years ago that were racist, homophobic, oh sexist. Oh, God. And he pointed out he was 17 <laughs> years old at the time. And people dug him up, though, and he's now locked his account and has apologized and all of that. But it was a very weird night for the All-Star game. Uh, but but there sold you out, Sold out crowd. Sold out crowd. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, D.C. did a pretty good job, I yeah. think. I think you said D.C. did a pretty good job. All right, so you fly a lot. When you fly... Do you ever buy premium economy? Do you know what premium economy is? I know what it is. No. Well, it's uh, different for every airline, right? right? But essentially what it is is... Uh, yes. I, yes is the answer. If you buy a regular economy ticket, a regular ticket, yes. you can upgrade for... Sometimes it's only like 50 bucks. Sometimes it's only like, you know, 100 bucks. Clarification. I have so many miles on United <laughs> okay. that I automatically get premium economy. Oh, oh, do you really? Yeah. Well, the thing is, more and more people are okay with premium economy. People get upset about paying for a bag. People get upset about lots of different add-ons. But people seem to be okay with premium economy. They'll pay the extra for more legroom. Gives you a little more legroom, and yeah. And you're, 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 you're far, farther, farther up front. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a good deal, there especially you if you get it for free. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, indeed. Donald Trump screwed up so badly, even he knew he had to try to clarify, try to apologize, uh, try to clean up his mess. (laughs) But he didn't succeed. He only made it worse. Hello, everybody. Wednesday, July 18. Here we are. The Bill Press Show. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Welcome. Welcome to your morning roundup of the news uh, from a progressive point of view. The Bill Press Show, all part of the Young Turks Network, and coming to you live all across this great land of ours, coast to coast, with the news of the day, starting out from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we have uh, our ear to the ground here, if I tell you, and our eyes on what's going on just down the street, the United States Capitol, and about five metro stops away at the White House, where yesterday Donald Trump just absolutely made things even worse, made more of a fool of himself by trying to correct uh, the unbelievable cascade of false and outrageous statements that he made uh, standing 
alongside of uh, the president of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, and basically pledging allegiance to the flag of the Federation of Russia. Uh, so we'll uh, tell you all about that and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on Twitter at BP Show as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Now more than ever important to sign up for that podcast. Go to BillPressShow.com. Sign up for the podcast or on iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, And uh, then you'll hear from us with our regular updates during the day and our special podcast uh, that we put up on the weekends. We are also uh, looking at you on Free Speech TV and, of course, joining on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and uh, out in the greater Chicago area. Hello, WCPT listeners. Good to have you with us again today. Uh, yes, indeed, it was uh, very, very unusual. You know, Donald Trump just doubles down, right? Never takes time out to say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I'm sorry I said that. Mm, that was wrong. Well, he didn't exactly do that yesterday, but he came as close to an apology, as close to a course correction as we've ever seen him. And even that, he screwed up. It all stems from, of course, that disastrous news conference on Monday with the president of the Soviet, of the Russian Republic, uh, Russian Federation, rather, uh, Vladimir Putin, where, uh, and it, what's really strange about this is that Donald Trump, who certainly we know hearts strong men, uh, in fact, President Obama, we'll get to that a little bit later, made that point yesterday uh, about strong man politics, and the only people that Donald Trump has praised, right, as, as great leaders, are these thugs like um, Erdogan of Turkey and Duterte of the Philippines and Kim Jong-un of North Korea and the guy standing alongside of him Monday, uh, Vladimir Putin. So you would think that Donald Trump would want to be like them because he praises them. Instead, he looked like the biggest weakling, the biggest... I don't want to use the word um, softy, if you will, whatever, alongside of Putin that you can imagine just agreeing with Vladimir Putin on every point, refusing to challenge him, passing on the opportunity to denounce him, refusing to look him in the face and say what you did to us in 2016 was wrong and you better know we're pissed off about it and we're not going to take it anymore. Not on, not on one single issue was Donald Trump willing to or able to or had the guts or the backbone to stand up to Vladimir Putin. He just looked like a, a total patsy. In fact, what was the headline, I think, in the uh, uh, one of the British papers? Poodles, no, I'm sorry, Putin's poodle, right? That's pretty good. That's what he was. Yeah. That's what he looked like. Uh, so and of course the big thing was that he said at one point. Um, well, let's listen to him. Here's the phrase. But by the way, why don't we make this point right up front? This is not the only thing he got wrong. Right. Okay. Right. This is one little phrase, but th there's a ton of other stuff, and we'll get to that that he also got wrong that he did not take back yesterday. But this one little phrase, he thought he could just clean that up. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. Here's what he said on Monday. President Putin, uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. I don't see any reason why it would be. I don't see any reason why it would be. Now, 
that phrase did get a lot of a <clears throat> reaction, right? Among other things that he said. So Donald Trump says, uh-uh, that was a mistake. I When I went back and looked, I realized that was a mistake. So I just want to clarify. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. Oh, hmm. What do you mean by that? So let's, so he spells it out and gives us what he means. So with that change. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Crystal clear. No, it doesn't. Crystal clear. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That doesn't clarify things at all. Again, because of all the other stuff that he said, okay? Let's just remember, he still said that he believes Russia over our intelligence agencies. He still said the United States acted foolishly and stupidly in dealing with Russia. He still said that the reason why there's any tension between the United States and Russia is Robert Mueller's fault and has nothing to do with anything that Vladimir Putin did. Invading Georgia, invading Ukraine, annexing Crimea, shooting down a Malaysian airliner, interfering in our election, assassinating his political leaders, poisoning spies on UK. No, none of that mattered. It's Robert Mueller's FBI investigation. That's why... We don't get along with Russia. It, it, it's so amazing how he started that one clip. It's like, I thought it was crystal clear. Uh, and <laughs> apparently I have to come out and clarify that I misspoke. But to your point, I mean, he essentially blamed us, blamed this country for what happened did. with the Russian word uh, meddling. There's no doubt about yeah. it. It was not a hidden message. Right. So it wasn't just one word yeah, no. that, he, no. that he goofed no. on. Right. He said we acted foolishly and stupidly. By the way, might we also point out, which is uh, uh, pretty obvious here, that this came 24 hours later. This came after he flew all the way across the Atlantic in Air Force One, after he spent the night in the White House. I mean, in in this day and age, as you know, and this has been this way for a long time, there was a time when if you said something wrong, you could wait and had to wait until the next news cycle to correct it because there was no opportunity otherwise, right? You had to wait until the next morning paper or maybe the afternoon paper uh, to get a story out or for that story you could get it out, but for it to be picked up and reported. That's not the case today. We are in a 24-hour online instant Twitter Instagram, everything, news cycle. I mean, it is immediate. And it's, by the way, it like that, it's around the world. Like that. And everybody knows that. And so you immediately, you can immediately get out there uh, and, and correct that. And if he were sincere, and if they really meant it, he would have. You know, the other thing that that struck me about this is you hear all these stories about how Trump answers to no one. No one is able to come to to Mr. Trump and tell him, hey, you got this wrong, you need to fix this. The White House is made up of people 
who are supposed to prevent you from making these types of mistakes, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. Sarah Huckabee Sanders mm-hmm. or John Kelly or whoever it is, there's somebody in the White House that can that is supposed to come to you as the president and say, uh, Mr. President, you said this here. Uh, that's not a very good look. Did you mean to say this? And either nobody told him because they're intimidated or scared of Donald Trump and he really, truly does run the show single-handedly, or they're all too intimidated to say anything to him. So he's not even able to get any good advice from people that are there to help well, I him. Think, I think the fact of it is that anybody who had the balls to stand up to him is gone. Yeah. And he got rid of them. Yeah. I think uh, that's right. So McMaster's gone. Gary Cohn on Tarrison stuff, gone. Rex Tillerson didn't have much backbone, but a little bit. He's gone, right? No. Even a Steve Bannon that we know, sort of know, had a kind of relationship where he could tell Donald he was full of crap yeah. on something is gone. Steve Bannon's uh, evil, but he's not an idiot. Yeah, yeah, right. So anybody, and John Kelly has just given up. <laughs> yeah. John Kelly is supposed to be the grown-up. No, he's just given up. The only guy is a, a James Madison. Mattis has just sort of decided he's going to stay on his side of the Pentagon and as long as Donald Trump doesn't cross the Pentagon, James Mattis sort of feels, looks like he's just going to hang in there. Um, but uh, no, you're right. Nobody did. So, by the way, so let's let's talk about whether or not this clarifies it. In fact, having done that, which, again, didn't really clarify anything, Donald Trump immediately made it worse because he has to, he cannot help himself. He cannot help himself. He's got to add little phrases that prove that he doesn't mean it in the first place. Here he goes. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. What? (laughs) So close. Could be other people also. A lot of people out there, that 400-pound guy <laughs> sitting, you know, in his underwear in his basement. He came so he, close to he, delivering an actual good he, statement. Yeah, he did. And then he had to wreck it, right? Could be other people also. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there a lot of people out there. There he goes. He throws this. He, he, You know, as they say, he just makes, you know what, up, right? And, he throw, and, and so he undermines it, meaning he doesn't believe our intelligence agencies. There is zero evidence, and they have pointed out zero evidence that there was anybody else. It was Russia giving, getting it and giving the stuff to WikiLeaks. End of story. But Donald Trump still has to keep that conspiracy theory alive that there was uh, anybody else uh, out there. But, but <laughs> uh, And he just, just the adding of the others is just just under undercuts his his entire message but again let's remember everything else he said in helsinki still stands and then they give him this written statement they has he crosses his arms and he reads from this yesterday from this prepared statement oh, you're right that is when he is at his absolute worst uh, total worst right because you can see he doesn't want to do it he's doing it under pressure all right, I'll read this damn thing. Spitting those words out between his gnashed yeah, teeth. Yeah, I'll read this <laughs> damn thing you gave me. So then, but he then he takes it, and on the top of it, he writes in his great big script and black sharpie, there was no collusion. He's got to get that in there again. Get there again. As I pointed out yesterday, yes, there was collusion. If you didn't think there was any collusion before, 
we saw 46 straight minutes of collusion in Helsinki Monday afternoon. We saw the president colluding with the enemy in front of our very eyes. And, of course, as to the other collusion, we don't know yet. Robert Mueller is not finished yet. He's indicted 32 individuals and three different organizations, and he's still trekking. He's still in it. And we don't know. We know now, no doubt about it, more and more than ever we know about what the Russians did. What we don't know is what the Trump people were doing to help the Russians at their game. Uh, on the, uh, you know, uh, timeout. There's one thing we didn't really talk about yesterday that Donald Trump did say on Monday. Remember he said, well, what I want to know is, where's the server? Why didn't they get that DNC server? You know, uh, And he alluded to that again yesterday. And I, th- I think it's just important, because you may have heard that if you don't understand. That is a... That that's a Breitbart conspiracy theory. That's a Fox News conspiracy theory that Donald Trump keeps repeating. And there is zero substance to that, and it is totally irrelevant. Uh, so just, just so you know, uh, because I was confused about this, too, and I, I looked into it. When the DNC reports that their computer has been hacked into, and they call the FBI, and the FBI is looking into it, and they get all their emails, and they're tracking it down— the actual physical server, they could turn it over to the FBI or they could hire somebody else to scrub it up and clean it up, which is what the DNC did. They hired some outfit called, mm, do you remember, Peter's Cloud Bright or Cloud something like, I think, Cloud in the uh, name, yeah. whatever, Cloud Strike maybe? That might, I think that's right. Yeah, Cloud yeah. Strike sounds right. But they hired them to, again— their physical equipment, not the emails and stuff, the physical thing, their hard drive, if you will, to clean it up and scrub it up and fix it. The FBI gives people that option. They can do that or, or the FBI can take it and kind of do it themselves. From what I read, in nine out of ten cases, the person who reports being hacked decides that they're going to do the cleanup themselves. And with the FBI, they say, fine, that's fine. No problem about it. So there's no big deal there. There's no big issue. There was nothing unusual in that the FBI did not physically take that server out of the DNC uh, and take it over to the FBI. It has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with the investigation. Uh, but it's just one other way that Donald Trump can try to undermine what Robert Mueller is doing, what the FBI uh, is doing. Uh, and then we get into the uh, reaction, of course, uh, you know, look, don't give these Republicans too much credit. Yes, we're hearing something we've never heard before from some of them. Yeah, the Bob Corkers of this world, the Jeff Flakes of this world have been willing to criticize Donald Trump before, even though they haven't done anything about it. They still vote for him. They still vote for all of his people. They're still going to vote for Brett Kavanaugh. You can bet your ass on that. Uh, But we heard more critical voices, even Mitch, yes, yes, even Mitch McConnell. We understand the Russian threat, and I think that is the widespread view here in the United States Senate among members of both parties. And Mitch says, 
we got to tell them you better not do it. Unlike, unlike what Donald Trump said, we'll tell them you better not do it again. There's a possibility that we may well take up legislation related to this. In the meantime, uh, I think the Russians uh, need to know that there are a lot of us who fully understand what happened in 2016, and it really better not happen again in 2018. So even Mitch McConnell critical? Even? Yes, even the weakest of them all, Paul Ryan. We just conducted a year-long investigation into Russia's interference in our elections. They did interfere in our elections. It's really clear. There should be no doubt about that. Uh, Yeah. All right. Now the question is, what are you going to do about it? And the answer is, not a damn thing. No. And that's, that's... that's the point. Peter Baker has a great piece on the front page of the New York Times this morning where he says, you know, that they came, they've come on this one close to the line, right? They're, the criticism building up among Republicans closer to the line than they've ever come before. Will they cross the line? Meaning, will they really say, no, we're not going to, we're just not going to support Donald Trump in everything he does from now on. No, we're not going to be a rubber stamp from now on. No, we're not just going to be the, you know, the automatic echo bo- echo chamber for Donald Trump. Will they cross that line? No effing way. No way. I think it is going to take the only way they'll get the message, only way they'll get the message is to get wiped out in November. It's going to take a massive election which I hope we can deliver in November for Republicans to get the message that Donald Trump is not only dangerous to this country, but they are even more dangerous if they don't do anything about it, and, it, and they are supporting Donald Trump at their political peril. They've got to get that message. They don't have that message first. So all these Republican voices that you hear, the question is, what are you going to do? By the way, and there are things they could do about it. Uh, they could demand the extradition of those 12 military officers, Russia may not do it, but they, the, the U.S. Congress could stand up and say, unlike Donald Trump, we believe what the Justice Department said, and we want those 12 people brought here and tried in the United States. They could pass a resolution condemning Donald Trump for his uh, caving in to Vladimir Putin. They could pass a resolution uh, or a law uh, protecting Robert Mueller from getting fired um, by, uh, by, by, by Donald Trump. They could slap some more sanctions on Russia. There are all kinds of things they could do. Their hands are not tied. All things, kinds of things they could do to really express their opposition and their condemnation of Donald Trump's caving into Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, but they won't. They won't. They won't because they are essentially cowards. Or put it this way, they're still on Fifth Avenue. You remember what Donald Trump said? Yeah. My people... Love me so much, I could go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody in the head and they would still support me. That's Paul Ryan. That's Mitch McConnell. That's Bob Corker, sadly. That's Jeff Flake. That's Susan Collins. That's every last one of them. They're still on Fifth Avenue. Literally every right? one of them. Yeah. Literally every single one of them. Every single one of them. Um, some saner voices on the other side. I thought uh, that uh, Senator Mark Warner from Virginia really scored, hit it yesterday when uh, he said, look, don't give Donald Trump too much credit for this half-ass correction apology that he tried yesterday. He had the chance to show that he was a man. I don't accept the president's comments today. 
if he wanted to make those comments, he should have had the strength to make them in front of Vladimir Putin. Amen. That's the point. Absolutely. That's the point. Absolutely. And he didn't. He just totally caved. Uh, uh, Senator Warren making another point, which uh, uh, I made uh, yesterday, that the whole time uh, I was watching that news conference uh, Monday with Trump and heard him with this moral equivalency saying, you know, I blame both sides. Yeah, we're as guilty as the Russians are. Yeah, they're no, we're no better than they are. I kept thinking Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Senator Warner. This has a strange resemblance to the president's comments after he was so offensive, after the disturbances in Charlottesville where he equated the neo-Nazis with the protesters. He then walked back those comments a couple of days later for about 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it was very much uh, like Charlottesville. Uh, a little footnote, by the way, to the uh, European trip. Um, we talked about the fact that, uh, as I think it was the New York Times said, the entire trip uh, amounted to an infomercial for a money-losing resort, meaning Turnberry, Donald, Donald Trump's resort in Scotland, uh, where he delayed the summit with uh, Vladimir Putin for two days so he could play golf and give a little publicity to a resort that has done nothing but lose money since he bought it. Uh, and he praised uh, that golf course and how beautiful it was and how great the resort was, blah, 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 blah. Uh, New York Times reports this morning that uh, that little uh, weekend cost us $68,800 for Donald Trump to have two rounds of golf at Turnberry. By the way, that's just what a couple of things about that. Number one, why doesn't Donald Trump pay for his own freaky hotel room when he goes out to play golf at his own resort? Why do we have to pay, pick up the tab, right, for his meals at his hotel room? That's not presidential business. But the other thing is that that cost, that's just what went in. That's what they say went into the coffers of the resort. That doesn't count. The Secret Service protection, one Secret Service agent sadly uh, lost his life there, uh, had a stroke and died yesterday uh, in the hospital in Scotland. Um, um, but it doesn't cost the cost of uh, the, the, the protection for that we had to put up, not to mention what the Scottish government had to put up uh, and all the transportation cost and all of that gets in, you know, went into the millions and millions of dollars for Donald Trump to have a little um, R&R there uh, over the weekend. Uh, all in all, maybe James Comey uh, came up with the best advice yesterday. He tweeted out that what people ought to do if they're really upset about what's going on, James Comey said uh, there's only one thing to do. Yeah, yesterday he tweeted out, this was last night, he says, quote, on Twitter, quote, this Republican Congress has proven incapable of fulfilling the founders' design that ambition must counteract ambition. All who believe in this country's values must <clears throat> vote for Democrats this fall. Policy differences don't matter right now. History has its eyes on us. Yes. As I just said a couple of minutes ago, it's going to take a full house cleaning, a full drubbing, thumping of the Republicans in November uh, to wake them up to um, how dangerous Donald Trump is and how they have to reject him. Uh, James Comey tweeted this last night, but um, a couple of months ago, actually on a podcast uh, when he was out promoting his book, 
Uh, he made the point that the the Republican Party, this is sort of echoing Ronald Reagan, who said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me. James Comey made the same point uh, a couple of months ago about the Republican Party. The Republican Party has left me and many others. Uh, I need no better evidence than their new website, which I think is Lion Comey, maybe, uh, <laughs> attacking me. I, I just think they've lost their way, and uh, I, I can't be associated with it. And that was before, <laughs> that was before uh, Helsinki, long before Helsinki. All right, just getting started off to a great start. I look forward again to hearing from you, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Lorraine Wallert from Politico joins us next, talking more about Donald Trump's attempt to walk it all back yesterday. I don't think he succeeded. Quick break, we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. All right, here we go, uh, or here we continue here. The Bill Press Show, Wednesday, July 18. Great to have you with us. Lots to talk about, as always. Never a dull moment in Trump world. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., a nation's capital, and joining you all across this great land of ours. Uh, Lorraine Waller joining us from Politico, covers the White House for Politico. It's good to have you here, Lorraine. Thanks, Bill. Thanks good so to see much you. for joining us. And uh, what do you do when you're in trouble? Uh, you tweet. You keep tweeting. Um, Donald Trump um, tweeting uh, madly this morning. Uh, I I just, if I can pull it up here, come on. Oh, damn it. Uh, He had a tweet up about people are not happy that he got along with, here it is, uh, the latest. Seven minutes ago, some people hate, all caps, the fact that I got along well with with President Putin of Russia. They would rather go to war than see this. It's called Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I think Trump derangement. He's the one who's got it. I, I think there's a there is something called Trump derangement syndrome. I'm not sure if that's the if that's the diagnosis. I'm but, no doctor. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, how many people have we heard saying we ought to go to war with Russia? Um. I talk to a lot of people every day as part of my job, and I mm-hmm. haven't heard anyone say we ought to go to war with That's Russia. That's not what people yeah. were saying, that the yeah. alternative to what he did in Helsinki was not to go to war. It was just to <laughs> show some backbone, show some spunk. I mean, just stand up to the guy. This reminds me of what he said. Was, if you didn't agree with ripping the kids away from their parents at the borders, you were for open borders. Mm-hmm. If you're not for the wall, you're for open borders. There's a lot of room between those and two things. MS-13 and all yeah, that. Yeah, right. He mm-hmm. sets these things mm-hmm. up. So right now we know right. if you are not for uh, giving Vladimir Putin a French kiss, then you're for well, going to war. Well, and you're also not highly intelligent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But that, that, just a, to clarify. But he's a genius. A very stable, stable. genius. <laughs> uh, so we've been uh, we've been at this for a little while this morning already. Peter stirring up some dust. Yes, indeed. We got a couple of comments on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. We talked about the headline: Putin's poodle. Uh, Raymond says he is not a poodle. He is nothing more than a chihuahua. Okay, all right. <laughs> we, uh, we get into dog uh, dog. Yeah, we can keep breeds. going. That's, a, that's an, what, what Twitter does best. That's a totally. Street. Uh, yeah. On all the Republicans talking about Russia.
question yesterday. Joey Olivia says, uh, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, uh, sold you, or you guys have sold out your country, your party, and all of our families for 30 pieces of silver. Where mm. have we heard that story before? GOP leadership, where are you? Phil says, did Ryan, Paul Ryan, we played that clip, he says, uh, did Paul Ryan say we conducted an investigation that concluded that the Russian interfered, that the Russians interfered with our elections because the one led by his colleague, Devin Nunes, concluded otherwise? You know, I was thinking about the House committee did not come to the same conclusion the Senate Intelligence Committee did. That's right. Yeah. and we played that clip of James Comey and talked about how James Comey said you should vote for Democrats this fall. My man Romaine in Chicago says James Comey should have a nice cup of STFU. You know what that stands for. Uh, I just figured it out. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. You should have said something two years ago. You, sir, in my opinion, are no patriot. That is echoed, by the way, in our chat room where you could join at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Uh, Alvin Chapman says, by the way, who cares what Comey thinks? He started this whole mess. He is nothing more than an a-hole. If you have a comment, you can find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show, or, as I mentioned, YouTube chat room, which we have going all throughout the day, uh, and certainly during the live show at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Tough crowd out there, Lorraine. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. colorful, you know? Oh, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you saw the uh, the big redo yesterday, the big talk the, back. The mulligan. The mulligan <laughs> yesterday. Um, let's hear him again. Here is Donald Trump where he, for those of us maybe just joining us, didn't hear it, uh, yesterday or didn't hear it yesterday or earlier this morning. So we know the sentence that he got wrong was that I don't know any reason why it would be Russia. And he says, now here's what the whole sentence with the, with the correction wouldn't instead of would. Here's what it sounds like. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. <laughs> Done. There it is. Done. Done. Well, but that then, clears that but up. But then he... Then, went off script. Then he added, he couldn't help but adding a couple of phrases here. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. There it is. Could be other people also. Could Mm -hmm. be Martians. 400-pound guy. Exactly. In the basement. Yeah. So, yeah. So how effective was his walk back? Look, his walk back was effective for about half a second. Um, Look, it, it, it gave, the walk back did accomplish one thing. It gave Republicans cover. Um, and so they, you know, there was outcry, and now it's like settled. Uh, they they now can say, Didn't all take right, much. everything's fine. Didn't take much to settle them. Let's did just it? all like keep looking yeah. forward now. So so it did have that. It did accomplish that. Um, <laughs> you know, they they are terrified going into the midterms that they're going to be facing. You know, Trump Trump supporters, uh, especially people who are primaried. Uh, so. <laughs> So that was that was the message. That was the audience. Um, everyone else, you know, there was no effect um, beyond that. But the other stuff that he said in Helsinki still stands. I mean, even if you accept that correction, and it's it's almost impossible to accept that correction with the extra phrases that mm-hmm. he added. Mm-hmm. 
But even if you were to give him a pass on that one, say, okay, you're, you cleared that up, he still said that he believes Vladimir Putin over our intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. He still said the United States acted foolishly and stupidly. Mm-hmm. He still said the reason we have any problems with Russia has nothing to do with anything Vladimir Putin did. It's right. Robert Mueller. No, no, it was the it was so the all weakest. of that still stands. It right? was the weakest of possible walkbacks, and you could, if you were watching him, you could see that he was very uncomfortable oh my reading God. this written statement. He was not happy. So uh, yeah, you know, somebody said it was. It, I think Gloria Borger on uh, CNN said it was a hostage video. Yeah, yeah, I think right. that's perfect. That's a great description, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. those yeah. guys that you see, you know, mm-hmm. when you know, if you even if you can't see it on the camera that their guns pointed at their head mm-hmm. as they're reading this script. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Donald yeah. Trump was doing. Right. And and so and then now we have Russia like following up on some of the things that were pr- apparently promised, you know? Let's let's start talking about, you know, the SALT treaty and some other things um maybe bringing investigators over to oh, yeah. you know, interview oh, yeah. some of our uh, Russian well, intelligence right. people. Yeah. So That's the other thing it, that still stands at as of this moment, right? What the the Russian um, indictments? Donald and the, Trump. Well, the, yeah, the Russian mm-hmm. indictments. But Donald Trump saying, "Oh, that was a great, great offer idea. on the part of Vladimir Putin. How generous of him!" And of course, we mm-hmm. accept. Yeah, yeah, send all those Russian spies over here, right? We'll put them up at the Mayflower Hotel and. Uh, it, which was fascinating because there was a report out. I think it was this morning that, um, you know, uh, Rosenstein actually, when he briefed Trump uh, on last Monday about these uh, pending indictments. He asked Trump when he should make these public, and Trump told him to make them public before the trip. Um, so that was, you know, kind of curious that he didn't then hmm. use those indictments to, to play a stronger hand. He could have against Putin. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just like Chris Wallace held those indictments up mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. Putin and said, "Here, read these. What do you think of these?" Trump could have done that at that news conference very effectively and said, "Look at this. Right. Here's our Justice Department." Here are the facts. Here are the names, the ranks, the serial numbers of your guys. How do you explain them? And Putin wouldn't even touch that piece of paper. Right. That was that was terrific TV. Um, uh, that's right. And uh, we don't know. Did Trump even bring what two two hour meeting alone? W- will we ever know? what was spoken between the president and Putin? Well, I actually saw someone yesterday sort of floating the idea that what they ought to do is subpoena the interpreters and bring them in, mm-hmm. which would be pretty remarkable. I mean, maybe unprecedented. I don't know if that's ever, anything like that has ever happened before. But Was our interpreter, I assume our, ter- our interpreter was an American. Um, I, I would assume. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I, I would assume so, but then yeah. again, maybe not. I would like that's to assume so, but knowing this gang, uh, yeah. They could have, Vladimir could have said, hey, I got the perfect person for you. Right. And we would have said, oh, sure. Okay. Thanks, very, Vlad. Very kind of you. But uh, uh, back to your question about will we ever know what happened in that meeting? We will as soon as Vladimir Putin releases the transcript, which you know he was wired. Of I'm course. convinced he was wired. Of course. The whole thing. He's got a transcript, every word that was said. Yeah. Yeah. During those two hours. Right. So uh, I hope Donald Trump was wired, but. Um, did I you, doubt it. Did you see that New York? Uh, there was a, the, a former White House stenographer wrote a piece for the New York Times, uh, I guess, a couple days ago, saying that uh, when Trump came into the White House, they learned her office learned that he didn't like having microphones around him. 
Um, so this is like a tradi- this is a normal uh, yeah. procedure yeah. at the White House. The president, for his own protection, records every interview with the reporter, so that if the reporter gets it wrong, the White House has a defense. Here's the right. tape, um, and uh, the White House is not following that tradition, which is very interesting. So back to you alluded to this a little earlier after the uh, after the. Um failed, faked apology, backtrack, or whatever we want to call it, yesterday. Um, what happens to all these voices of dissent that we heard among Republicans on the Hill, from Mitch McConnell to Paul Ryan, which was a little surprising, criticism from them. Not surprising, more criticism from Bob Corker or Jeff Flake. Um, has Donald Trump once again kind of looked like he was going to, you know, uh, undo himself and yet uh, succeeded in putting it behind him and moving on? I I think for the most part, he has succeeded in putting it behind him. Um, It's already over. We had our moment of outrage. Yeah. Um, You know, like I said, the Republicans got their cover now. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think he's successfully done it because Republicans aren't... um, aren't willing to stick their necks out. But um, but I think there will be a hearing, at least one hearing. Pompeo has been called up to the Hill, um, I think, in the next couple of weeks. So um, we'll see. But I, I, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'd say this is, in terms of Republicans, this is kind of over. Uh, that's stunning. It really is stunning. I mean, I don't know what they need, right, to cross that line. And everybody says at some point they're going to cross that line. And if, if, if so far, if there were ever a moment, you would think it would be uh, a stunning show of lack of loyalty or a, a lack of patriotism or, to use John Brennan's word, treason, treason against the United States. I think that, you know, it'll be I think maybe more interesting to watch maybe might be what happens with the electorate. Right. I mean, do you start to see cracks in Trumpville? Um, you know, these people are patriotic people um, who who back Trump. And are they are they going to see through this finally? Um, that could be maybe more interesting than what elected officials do. Uh, again, does. New York Times this morning talks about um, among some of the this the unshakable Donald mm-hmm. Trump camp mm-hmm. that some of the um, theories that they're hearing right or people are but the excuses that people are using uh, for why they're still with Trump. Well, because he was tougher in private Right. Than he was in public, right. right? He just was being polite in public, but he was a lot tougher with Putin behind those closed doors. Um, he's got he's cutting a mega deal, right? And so he had to be, you know, sort of pretend to be nice because they're really cutting a good deal. Or he's has a real plan. I mean, all this kind of stuff. They give him the benefit of the mm-hmm. doubt. The grand bargain that will yeah be revealed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yes, some people will never be swayed, but I wonder if there will be some cracks. Uh, you know, I, I I think that article that you just referenced also included some people saying, yeah, that kind of there was some cringing. Right. You know, cringing is not enough. But or, or the other one. And even Rand Paul used this mm-hmm. is uh, and Donald Trump keeps trotting this out. It's good to have good relations with Russia. Well, nobody disagrees with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is good to have good relations with Russia. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean. You look the other way at every evil thing they do, especially when they're trying to undermine our election. Right. I mean, you can't. I think it's hard to argue against engagement 
um, you know, at any right. level. And but you know, we have to kind of know going in what we want to get out of it, and we we all we want to come out of it better off than when we went in. And I don't think that's what happened here, right? Well, okay. Now so. this is sort of a segue to what else I want to ask you about because you've been writing a lot about the Supreme Court battle coming up. Uh, one way that Republicans could say, okay, uh, you know, I just can't stick with this president or everything he wants anymore. I'm not going to automatically vote for Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Could this have any influence on uh, Republican votes for Kavanaugh? That's an interesting question. Um, th- I think the problem with the problem with that theory, um, I'm not saying it's it's not a good theory, but oh, I, I, the, the problem is Republicans love Kavanaugh, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, like Kavanaugh's not sort of a middle of the road sort of pick. He's like a great pick. And so he for might them. for them. Uh-huh. Right. So he might be a tough one to sort of t- t- take a stand on. Um, I'm not so sure that we're going to see, re- you know, Republicans sort of falter on this one. Um, and uh, what are you hearing among possible Democratic votes? Because they don't have enough votes of their own. Well, they do, I guess. We'll see. But right. Um, without McCain. Right. Barrett. Without McCain. Right. Um they lose one, they're done. It's uh, it's sort of interesting. I mean, this is going to be, I think it's too soon to tell what's going to happen. Um, and I, I am not, sh- I'm, I'm not hearing yet anything substantive from some of these uh, middle of the road Dems, red state Dems. Uh, and, uh, but there is going to be major pressure brought to bear. Uh, we know like the business community is going to start weighing in. On Kavanaugh, well, that, you you've know, been writing about that. So Trump is actually reaching out to the business community, telling mm-hmm. them or to, yeah, urging them to get involved. Right. So um, the night that he was he you know bringing Kavanaugh out, they were sending out emails and talking points to trade associations saying, "Can you help us? Here's why we think you should love Kavanaugh," um, and they do. I think most of them do, um, and he, you know help us help us get him confirmed. So and going to the U.S. Chamber, to the Manufacturers Association. NFIB, all, retailers. Yeah, yeah these Federation big. Federation of Independent Businesses. Home, build, home builders. Oh, right. People with like not just deep pockets, but also pretty strong grassroots um, organizations. So that. And pretty conservative political leanings. Yeah. Pretty conservative. But like a lot of times. Traditional Republican These are Yeah, these are. Exactly. But these are people who also, you know, they don't business doesn't want to get involved in like abortion and gay marriage. It's just yeah. like their brand doesn't want to have anything to do with that. So but they love Kavanaugh on on, you know, judicial issues. Um, and and so I think we can see some of them stepping up to the plate, um, but I'm not sure all of them will. Uh, the chamber, for example, put out pretty lukewarm statement on Kavanaugh saying, yeah, well, congratulations, we're going to check him out. Mm. Well, they they know who Brett Kavanaugh is. Yeah, you know, uh, they know he's good for business. Right. It was a very odd, um, odd statement from them. Hmm. Um, the it, it, and you've also been writing about the partisan divide over Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's it, some. It, it's it's pretty. Yeah, like black look, and white almost. I'm right? gonna you know date myself, but I was around when John Roberts and Harriet Myers, you know, were being confirmed uh, during the Bush administration. And um, Harriet Myers, you might by, remember, by that, that does not date. <laughs> yeah. you. the Bush administration was not that long ago. <laughs> um, so, 
but like, look, Harriet Myers, like, if you may remember, she imploded uh, before she pulled out before her uh, confirmation hearing because her own party went after her. Yes. Okay. So here we are now, and so that was pretty. That was pretty tough. But here we are now, and actually, um, Kavanaugh's negatives are higher than hers were back then, uh, which is just kind of shocking, given that Republicans didn't like her. So uh, it, that, uh, and then uh, Politico. What do you mean and, his negatives in the poll, the polling, so public Pew, polling? Pew, uh, Pew Research, a nonpartisan group, had a, a, they've been tracking this since John Roberts, and they had a poll showing that uh, the question was, should Kavanaugh be confirmed or not confirmed? And the number of people saying he should not be confirmed was, I think, 36 percent, which is the highest, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. do not confirm since they've been this tracking. Just, um, uh, among American voters. Among adults. Right. Yeah. Among adults. Right. So, um, so that's, you know, he still has a majority in support. I think it was 41% said he should be confirmed. But that 36% is bigger than any other justice since um, the, since Pew's been tracking this. And the hearings haven't even started yet. Hearings haven't even started. So the negative, like if there's any negative stuff out there, and there will be, that this is even before that. So... Um, <laughs> it could be tight. This could be tight. Um, I'm not sure that any Republican gains by voting against Kavanaugh. Um, so it really is going to boil down to these four or five Democrats. Uh, uh, listen, I am um, kind of pleased <laughs> or whatever and maybe surprised that so far we haven't heard from one of those Democrats. I'm surprised one of them or I wouldn't be surprised. What am I saying? If, if one of them had already said they were going to vote for him, it wouldn't come as a shock to me. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. they hang tough. Yeah. I've written in a column saying they ought to hang tough. I think they should. I think they can, Joe Manchin or Joe mm-hmm. Donnelly or whatever, they could afford to vote against Brett Kavanaugh mm-hmm. for the good of the American people, cast the right vote, and still win re-election. Mm-hmm. But they may see it differently. It's, and, it's too, like, they don't need to come out yet, right? Like, I, no. You know, they, need, they should just They don't sit. have to vote for him in the first place. They certainly don't need to come out now. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, this could all boil down to how are their campaigns going, you know? How much money are they raising? It could come down literally to the last minute, right? Do I need to vote for him to get elected? I come back right now. The ultimate, to me, if you're saying, what's the ultimate way that these Republicans could show to Donald Trump, you went over the line, you crossed the line with Vladimir Putin, we're not going to support you down the line anymore, would be to vote against Brett Kavanaugh. That would be the ultimate test. <laughs> I know. I mean, but, you know, it, it's, you know it's, but, it's not unheard of for people to switch parties, right? Like, this has happened many times. So not like, often enough. Not often enough. <laughs> but, like, look, if you've got a guy like Jeff Flake or any, but, but the problem is, they they love Brett Kavanaugh. Those Republicans. That that's the problem, right? That, that's that's yeah, the problem. They really the love Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. So, um, and, and you know what? If they vote against him, who does he, who else does he pick from that list? Right. Could it be someone you know worse? Um, we're about it. Uh, yeah. The, the, anybody from that list is going to be right from a progressive point of view. Right. It's going to be if they would not be on that list, uh, if they had not just given their Pledge of Allegiance to every one of those hot-button issues, right? And what do you think will be um, the areas that Democrats zero in on uh, when it comes to Kavanaugh? Okay, well, of course— I mean, obviously, one is— Abortion, right. of course. Um, you know, the the, the whole, um, like, Federalist society and conservative judicial philosophy is 
Let's let's shift power away from the courts and to elected officials, to the populace. Um, and so, you know what? Abortion is not an issue for the court. It's an issue for state governments. Okay, so abortion, gay marriage is a, another example of the almost the identical thing. But then there are going to be things that are less um, sort of sexy to the general public. Um, regulation, government regulation. This is a huge thing for business. Brett Kavanaugh has um, consistently sort of aligned himself against federal regulators on things like consumer protection uh, and uh, you environment. Know. Environment. Well, so it's very interesting because what he's been doing is saying that uh, regulators can't go too far. He's sort of circumscribed regulators. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, has worked in business's favor, in some cases not. So uh, there's something called the Chevron deference, which says regulators should be given some leeway mm -hmm. to make rules. And what he's saying is no, no, it has right. to be explicitly written into law. That cuts both ways for business. But generally, you know, Democrats and, um, and progressives think that that's generally helped um, consumer protections, environmental protections, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and it could undo uh, it could undo years of, for example, clean air, clean water right. rules, that yeah. sort of thing. CFPB. And I think the other thing I would add to the list of just out of time here is uh, health care. I think is, mm -hmm. a, is going to be another big issue that uh, Democrats are going to make. He's got some bad votes on that as well. Uh, you got a lot on your plate here, Lorraine. Um, well, let's get back to work. All right. Covering the White House for Politico, Politico.com. Thanks so much for coming in. And Eugene Thanks, Scott sir. from the Washington Post next here as a friend of Bill. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. He tried, he tried, he tried to fix it, and he only made it worse. He broke it even more. Of course, we're talking about Donald Trump's half-hearted attempt yesterday to correct the record. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Welcome to The Bill Press Show this Wednesday, July 18. Uh, thanks so much. For joining us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., site of the All-Star Game last night, a totally sold-out crowd in the Nats Stadium uh, to watch the American League tackle the uh, National League in extra innings, eight, what was it, eight to six, you got final, it. final score. We've got uh, not not so much sports to talk about, but a lot of politics to talk about today, especially when uh, the president of the United States, in a very rare attempt uh, to um, explain what he meant in that disastrous news conference with Vladimir Putin uh, on Monday, 
just um, raised more questions, uh, stirred things up even worse, and kind of uh, left uh, a lot of damage uh, in his wake. Although it does seem that the little bit that he did, as confusing as it was, was enough for Senate and House Republicans to just say, oh, well, oh, man, thank God. That's behind us. Now we don't have to worry about that anymore. <clears throat> oh, yes, we do. Look forward to hearing from you and your comments on Twitter. At BP Show, Eugene Scott joins us shortly here from the Washington Post as a friend of Bill for this hour. And then we'll be joined a little bit later by Congressman Ted Lieu. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Bad news for Google this morning. The EU has charged Google with breaking antitrust laws. This all centers around their Android market dominance. They bundled their search engine and Chrome apps into the operating system, which again, the European Union has uh, decided that that breaks antitrust laws and they have been fined. Google has been hit with a $5 billion fine. Whoa. A $5 billion fine. Now remember, Google was previously fined $2.7 billion by the EU because they manipulated search results. Google is still appealing that that fine and trying to get that settled without having to pay so much. But this morning, that is a big, big, big fine. $5 billion is what EU regulators have uh, fined Google for uh, what do they do? I don't really understand. It's a little complicated. To be perfectly honest, I don't totally understand it, but when Google releases their operating system, right, which like Apple has their Mac or Apple OS, iOS, Google's version of that, they've built in search engine and Chrome apps into the operating system. So you don't get them separately. So it gives them, in the opinion of the EU, a little bit of an advantage over other competitors who have the same product, which... Okay. I don't necessarily have a big problem right. with, but the EU does to the tune of $5 billion. So. Yeah. Hey, one thing we can all agree on in this country is that the Endangered Species Act is a good thing. It protects endangered species. Well, yesterday, there were uh, multiple GOB, GOP-backed changes to the uh, uh, Endangered Species Act saying that what they want to do, the GOP wants to move it to where... The states determine what goes on the Endangered Species Act. No, as of no, that's crazy. As of now, that's not how it works. It's it's sort of done on a federal level, but it's led by John Barrasso, Republican from Wyoming, Wyoming. Uh, who says that this needs to be left up to the states. This needs to be taken out of the hands of the federal government and let the states decide which animals go on the endangered species list, which seems like a bad idea. It's a bad idea because, you know, you can see some of these Western states, right? Uh, they're going to put something like a mountain lion, take it off the endangered species list. If it is, I'm not even sure. And just say, hey, open season on mountain lions now or open season on wolves or who knows. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, he didn't get it right the first time, and, um, well, he didn't get it right the second time either. <laughs> oh, man, what do you say? 
Hello, everybody. All those who believe uh, Donald Trump and his course correction yesterday, raise your right hand. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any hands up. Not going to see my hand up either. It is a Wednesday, July 18. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Welcome to the program. Uh, that is the uh, Bill Press Show. Joining us coast to coast on uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV, of course. And uh, we are there with you on the radio. Out in the greater Chicago area, hello, WCPT, and thank you for joining us on a very busy day with a great lineup of guests. Congressman Ted Lieu uh, from uh, the state of California, 33rd California Congressional District, uh, will be joining us uh, a little bit later. Uh, and uh, we will have here as a friend of Bill, Eugene Scott, from the Washington Post, just as settling in with all the big stories of the day. Yes, uh, Donald Trump trying to do a retake, trying to take a mulligan yesterday on his uh, disastrous comments uh, with Vladimir Putin on Monday in Helsinki. Did he manage to clear it up or just make things even worse? Uh, Republicans first expressing some outrage, uh, and yet the question remains. What, if anything, are they going to do to show their uh, opposition or dissatisfaction with the comments of Donald Trump? We haven't seen any uh, sign of any action lately. President Obama resurfacing uh, yesterday didn't say a word about Donald Trump, but made a couple of statements that people thought he had to be talking about uh, Donald Trump. And by the way, you remember we did talk about Sinclair Broadcasting and their efforts to uh, even further expand their right-wing influence over local television in this country. I ran into kind of a roadblock, an unexpected roadblock, uh, with the uh, Federal Communications Commission. A lot, so much on our plate, not to mention the All-Star Game last night. Uh, <laughs> where did we go from there? Well, let's find out. Uh, the aforementioned Eugene Scott from the Washington Post here is a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Mr. Scott, it's good to see you, sir. Good to be seen. How are you? I'm oh, good. I'm good. <laughs> Haven't seen you in quite a while. I know. You're, you're Tanner. You've been enjoying your summer? Uh, I have so far, good. right? Good. Yeah. And, and the summer's just starting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and nothing little, is slowing down in D.C. No, no, no. A little yeah. time up at the beach in uh, in uh, in Rhode Island. There. Nice. So, so uh, I, just, I just mentioned uh, President Obama in South Africa, mm -hmm. surfacing yesterday, uh, giving uh, a little speech. Let's let's hear a couple of clips. I'd love to get your comments. First of all, he doesn't mention, doesn't name any names, but he does talk about politicians who tell lies. And double down. Yeah. We see the, the utter loss of shame among political leaders where they're caught in a lie and they just double down and they lie some more. Who could he be talking about? I don't know. I have I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I do know that, uh, according to the most recent report by the Washington Post, our current president has uh, made more than 3,000 uh, misstatements or inaccuracies or maybe even lies uh, since entering the White House. Um, and uh, it's been quite a bit of a problem for Americans seeking to get honest answers about what's happening in this country uh, from the commander in chief. Uh, to which Donald Trump would say fake news. He would say that. He would say that. I mean, but so what do you have somebody who keeps track every day? 
Uh, yeah, we have a fact checker team. Like not one person. You can't. One person cannot keep track of all of the misstatements coming out of this White House. Uh, it, it's a team, and uh, they spend significant time uh, figuring out what uh, the president maybe meant to say, um, what parts were somewhat true, and what parts are full on uh, inaccuracies. I'm trying to. Well, do you know how many that is a day? A day? I was just trying to figure I, out. What, so, um, I, one time I remember there was a number like six or seven. A yeah, day. no, there there was yeah. something uh, about. Yeah. It's definitely more than five. It's not yet ten. Um, <laughs> but whatever that number is, it's it's a dated number. I'm sure. I mean, it's none of these numbers factor in Helensky. Or yesterday in Helsinki. Helsinki, yeah. (laughs) Uh, None of them factor in what's happening um, uh, this week in terms of the president's uh, ability to communicate what's happening. Right. So um, what message do you think, uh, any doubt in your mind, that President Obama was referring to Donald Trump, and what message was he sending, and why has he been on the sidelines so much? Yeah, I think it's actually more important to realize that what this speech was really about was the 100th birthday of Nelson yes, Mandela, thank you. Right. Uh, who uh, was a mentor uh, for uh, former President Barack Obama. The first public speech Obama gave was uh, at an anti-apartheid rally in 1979. And really? as many yeah. people know, uh, President Obama's father is Kenyan and worked in politics in Kenya. And so it's a bit very... And, and Barack Obama was born there. <laughs> Especially if you are listening to conservative media, yeah. or, right? Or Donald Trump. Or, yeah. or yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. And uh, so the influence of uh, Mandela in his worldview yeah. globally was significant. And the purpose of the speech was to encourage uh, the next generation of African political leaders to follow the Nelson Mandela approach to global leadership, not the strongman approach. Mm-hmm. He did not mention Trump. He did mention Russia, did not mention Putin. I think he mentioned China. But it's very clear um, when he talked about a lot of the issues related to like xenophobia, um, how uh, government money is spent uh, just otherizing uh, populism, the abuse of social yeah. media. There were quite a few uh, um, comments that would make you think of Trump without him even saying his name. On the strongman thing, you, you mentioned that. And Peter, this is the third clip we have from Obama where he did talk about this phenomenon today that we see around the world uh, of the strongman uh, and the kind of people that Donald Trump admires and praises. Here's President Obama. Strongman politics are ascendant, suddenly, whereby elections and some pretense of democracy are maintained, the form of it, but those in power seek to undermine every institution or norm that gives democracy meaning. So you think of an Erdogan of Turkey, you think of a Duterte of the Philippines, right? You think of a Putin of Russia. Uh, and um, and these are the people, or, or Kim Jong-un <laughs> of North Korea, mm-hmm. the people that Donald Trump praises and seems to admire. Indeed, and I think what the President uh, Obama was trying to communicate to leaders uh, in Africa because he was there with the Obama Foundation Leadership Development Program as well that included people from outside of South Africa was not to take that approach following after uh, Trump um, because that's something that we have seen some leaders take uh, since Mm -hmm. Trump got in 
to the White House. When Trump got into the White House, he invited Nigeria's president uh, to uh, the White House. And that was not long after the whole S-hole countries comment. Mm. Um, And the Nigerian president was asked face-to-face, what do you think about this comment that allegedly came from President Trump? The Nigerian president says something along the lines of, I cannot always believe what the media reports. And so it seems like he's embracing the fake news approach um, that Trump has, uh, you know, trailblazed, opposed to an approach that would encourage um, a respect for multiple countries and an understanding of the challenges they have that could make them seem like s-hole places to some people well so we've seen his uh, 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 uh trump's uh admiration of these this is his kind of leader that he admired but this kind of leader he admires and sort of wants to be which is why i found it all the more surprising that given an opportunity to stand up and show what a strong man he is on monday standing alongside him of vladimir putin proved to be a pussycat. I think along those lines, one of the I main mean, really reactions... Showed, he seemed so weak. It, it seemed very un-Trump-like, opposed to who Trump says he is. It, it didn't seem yeah. Trumpy at all, right? So many right. people yeah. uh, have said the success to Trump is to let Trump be Trump. That that person in front of Putin was very unfamiliar to those of us who've watched all of these campaign rallies, uh, who've watched uh, the gaggles, uh, who've read the tweets. He was just very, with all due respect, subservient in a way that um, you just wouldn't expect someone who, you know, calls Americans sons of bees or makes nicknames for people he doesn't like or uh, just attacks even his own uh, cabinet. Um that's not what we saw Monday. So why? I mean, uh, a friend of mine yesterday said it just proved to me, uh, further proved to me that Vladimir Putin has something on Donald Trump. And, of course, that question was asked. It was asked a bit. I mean, there were pieces written about it in the and, Washington and Post. And Putin didn't deny it. Yeah. I mean, there there were um, uh, opportunities for Putin to say, I do not. There were opportunities for Trump to say, there's nothing they could have on me because I've lived a life of honor and integrity. Well, uh, that would have been <laughs> that would have been laugh out loud funny. I mean, but, the, the, the entire press corps would have <laughs> roared at that. You know, I mean, what, what's what's one more misstatement? Yeah, right. right? Um, and so it, I think it left more questions than answers. Um, and the walk back uh, certainly did. And and the walk back to the walk back, actually, because there was a moment where he seemed to suggest that he believed the intelligence communities, which have said definitively that it was Russia. But Trump said, but maybe it could be other countries. So that suggests that maybe he doesn't believe the intelligence community. Yesterday was quite confusing. It was it, it, totally. Uh, if 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 he it, uh, if he meant to correct things, it really on, only made things worse, I think. Yeah. Um he, the sentence where he says, okay, so I said, I don't know, have any, I don't know of any reason why it would be Russia. Uh, what I meant to say was why it would not be Russia. Yeah, yeah. And so he says, so now with the new sentence, here's the way it reads, mm-hmm. the new sentence with mm-hmm. the correction. Mm-hmm. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. 
So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Oh, done. Case closed. Yeah, I just fixed the problem. But as you point out, then he can't help himself. He's got to go on and add a couple of phrases, which undoes everything he just tried to do. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. There you are. Could be other people also, Eugene. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big challenges that people had is it would be different if he had misspoken one time. Uh, throughout the press conference and throughout the last year or so, he has repeatedly made it clear uh, that he does not completely believe the intelligence agencies, agencies that have told him that it was Putin. And on more than one occasion, he has suggested that he actually believes Putin. This was not his first time talking to Putin about this. And that's why I think we are uh, seeing Democrats ask uh, if they can get the transcript for whatever happened in that one-on-one meeting. Which we'll never get. We'll never get. Well, as I mentioned in the last hour, unless and until we get it from Putin, because I'm convinced that yeah. Putin's got the transcript. That, yeah. They I, had that room wired. I mean, videos, every, everything. Have, yeah. There's you, no reason to believe not. But, I mean, if we're basing um, the timetable on getting this transcript uh, on the same timetable we're working with on tax returns, uh, we've got some waiting to do. <laughs> so. Uh, Right, exactly. And, you know, uh, in terms of this, um, what do we call it, the mulligan or the walk back or whatever, working, um, all of the other stuff, that that little one phrase was not the only outrageous or shameful or disgraceful thing that Donald Trump said during that news conference. He also said that the United States acted foolishly and stupidly. Right, right that the only reason we have any problems with Russia is because of Robert Mueller. It has nothing to do with anything Vladimir Putin did, yeah. shooting down airline, mm-hmm. commercial, mm-hmm. Well, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. annexing Crimea, nothing. Right. So all of that. And he also did say, well, Dan Coates tells me one thing, but Vladimir Putin's pretty strong on the other, so right. basically I agree with him. Absolutely. All of that still stands, right? So yeah. what did he really clean up yesterday? Yeah, if you insert the word not into that one mm-hmm. sentence, Ninety uh, percent of his comments are still problematic and troublesome and difficult right. to understand. Right. And I think that's what we saw people on both sides of the aisle uh, um, respond and say. Speaking of both sides, one thing that was very interesting, as you mentioned, how he said America was also somewhat responsible. There are a lot of people to blame. He repeated his both sides uh, approach, which he first introduced, I believe, in Charlottesville. Right. And so he has displayed consistently an inability to identify when one side is actually clearly more wrong than the other side. Um, and in this uh, situation, it should be obvious to the president of the United States that America did not illegally interfere in an American election because that's not even possible. Uh, yeah. It was Russia, and it was Russia alone. Um, and to compare the two uh, was a slap in Coates' face. And that's why I think we saw him uh, release a statement as doubling down on his department's findings, despite what the president said. Uh, so does Dan Coates quit? Does he stay in the job? I, I have no reason to believe that what happened in Finland would make uh, Coates leave anytime soon because I think it's important that we realize that Trump didn't really say anything new. 
um, he it was what was new was that he said it in front of Putin. Mm-hmm. And so if your concern was that uh, Trump was not accepting your intelligence, uh, you probably would have walked away before now. Yeah. So what other Republicans? We heard a lot of whole chorus of Republican voices, some of whom have never criticized Trump before, all come out and say, no, 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 the president's wrong. Russia did this. We know they did it. And Russia's not our friend. Okay, fine. Thank you for saying all of that. Now, what are Russia, what are the Republicans going to do about it? Well, we're now seeing some uh, thanking him for the clarification and accepting it as true. Uh, Marco Rubio has been one of them. I believe uh, Chris Stewart in Utah uh, yep. praised but, the response. By, by the way, sh- breaking news: Marco Rubio folded. It was. It was uh, breaking news, right? It yeah. was shocking. To, it was shocking to those who have not watched Marco Rubio respond to Trump since uh, Trump got on the scene, um, which uh, was unfortunate to a lot of Rubio supporters who have praised him for standing up as um, a, a staunch, you know, criticism critic of like communism and human rights abuses um, and religious persecution. All of these things being issues that exist uh, under Putin's uh, leadership. Um, but I think with Rubio, who barely got through his own Senate race, right. because so many Floridians were on the Trump train, realizes um, is that it does not do you well in the current political climate um, to cr- continually criticize Trump and not give him credit here or there when you can find somewhere. Uh, so you make so. your point that Rubio is he's one of those who said, OK, what Trump what Trump did yesterday as half ass as it was, uh, was enough for Rubio to yeah. move on. Yeah. Um, I'd have to say, um, maybe being too pessimistic, that I think it's probably enough for all the rest of them to move on to. Absolutely. I mean, Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I mean, he said Paul Ryan, weakest of all. That's the closest you're going to get to I'm sorry uh, for Trump, from Trump. I think those who would love for Trump to say, uh, Putin was disrespectful and we are going to hand it to him. No, that's not coming from him. Um, but it wasn't enough for Democrats, which we're not surprised uh, by. And I think they are going to, uh, you know, be playing clips of that press conference repeatedly during the midterms. Well, um, you know, we're going to be joined shortly uh, by Congressman Ted Lieu from uh, from California. And I do want to talk to him. We'll, we'll have both have a chance to uh, ask him how this could play out in the midterms, which I think is really maybe the first chance that Americans will have, will, will be the first chance yeah. Americans have a chance to respond and, I and, think and see whether that plays in the midterms at all. So well. The reason I also think it will play is because uh, I think we have enough time between now and the midterm elections for Trump to walk back the walk back. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, oh. The next rally, oh. he's going to go pro- double walk again. back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confident that, like, he is going to remind people that Putin said he didn't do it and that he believes Putin. Right. So in terms of um, you know, this is we talk about this all the time, but it is true. The burden that we face is something really big happens and we jump on it. And before we have a chance to really assess it and analyze it and, you know, put it in its, in context, something else really big happens oh, yeah. and we're on to the next thing. So I want to come back to, it was only a week ago, maybe 10 days now, that Robert, that Rod Rosenstein stood up on a Friday at noon mm-hmm. and 
gave this massive mm-hmm. indictment mm-hmm. in stunning detail mm-hmm. about what these 12 Russian military officers did. R- name, rank, serial number, mm-hmm. who they were talking to, who they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. th- 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 I don't know whether you, I read the whole 29 pages of yeah. it. Th- we, we still haven't, I think, maybe realized the impact of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- there is no doubt as to what they were up to. And I think, right? I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was detailed. These are people who um, are not political partisans who are committed to uh, researching and finding out. Uh, what happened and getting to the bottom of it. And I think one of the things that's most fascinating about um, that revelation and Trump's response to Putin afterwards is that Trump knew that that was coming. He was briefed on it. He was briefed on yeah. it. Now, now what we have to remember that when we say Trump was briefed on it, no one should believe that Trump read 29 pages no, no. or five. Um, or one. Or but Rod Rosenstein was in front of him and... and uh, and and did brief him before he went to Europe, yeah. so he knew it was coming. Yeah, right. And I think what was um, incredibly uh, uh, telling and strategic from Rosenstein is even after uh, the press conference with Putin, Trump. I mean, uh, Rosenstein gave us another with uh, uh, the young woman, the Russian agent, um, who. Uh, was trying to infiltrate what looks like the NRA. I mean, she was a member um, the National Prayer Breakfast, uh, who was working very closely with many people, who, including members of Congress. Yeah, I mean, there's Dana Rohrabacher from Orange County, California, Absolutely. one of her best buds. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, the intelligence, she, I mean, that she, is being dismissed and disputed, is pretty thorough. She went to. By the way, again. Donald Trump keeps saying there was no connection at all between any Russians in my campaign. And yet Russians keep popping up like this woman. The more I read about her, she went to the Trump inauguration. She went to one of the Trump balls. Mm -hmm. She had met Donald Trump Jr. Mm -hmm, at some mm -hmm. event. Yeah. She had raised money for them. She was supporting Scott Walker. Yeah. And when he dropped out, she started supporting Donald Trump. Yeah. She was trying to arrange a meeting between Trump and Putin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she was an all-out spy, absolutely. and they welcomed her. Into, into spaces that uh, you would think that people who were more discerning would not have. Butina, I believe, is her last name. Um, and uh, it's, it's concerning. And we know, I mean, this is not the last that we're going to get from uh, Rosenstein, and I think we are seeing conservative lawmakers express their frustration with him because of it, um, because the impact that uh, it has on oh. the GOP as a whole will be significant. Oh, the more they come up with, the more the hardliners among the Republicans in the House are going after to undermine or attack the FBI and yeah. Rosenstein. Yeah, you know. So, like, instead of holding hearings about these twelve military. Russian military mm-hmm. who are trying to infiltrate our election, they hold a hearing about the two FBI, the one F, one or two FBI agents who, yeah. you know, had this little love thing going with the text, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 They, they, it, 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 it's, they, they'd rather be holding hearings attacking the FBI than holding hearings finding out what the Russians were up to. Here's the crazy thing. Let's assume it's that insane. the FBI agents were as biased as the most uh, conservative lawmaker thinks they were. Um, th- it's possible that that happened 
and that Russia was interfering with the election. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, to oh, the degree totally. that Rosenstein says that they were. And so um, you have to prioritize your time and energy. And we've seen Trey Gowdy come out and criticize these hearings, saying that they are, you know, shows and distracting um, without right. acknowledging the role that he himself has played in uh, creating the freak show that they are. Um, you have to ask yourself, what is of most interest and importance to the American people in the future of our elections? On that point, um, Donald Trump yesterday couldn't help himself again. Talk about President Obama, right? Mm-hmm. He keeps having to make he's having to make this point uh, that this happened under Obama. Here's Donald Trump yesterday. As you know, President Obama was given uh, information just prior to the election, last election, 2016, and they decided not to do anything about it. The reason they decided that was pretty obvious to all. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. You know, my response to that is, yeah, you're right, but so what? Yeah, yeah. And I think if Donald Trump was honest, he thought Hillary was going to win as well. But the reality is we are now in summer of 2018, and Russia has not shown anything to suggest that what they did, they won't do in the future. In fact, intelligence says that they are likely going to. And Donald Trump has yet to condemn them. Right. Or or do anything about it. No, right? absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Barack Obama should have done yeah. something a bit for on them. He should have done it publicly. And I think he Obama didn't. would admit that. But the reality is that's not where we are right no, now. The question becomes, what are you going to do totally. um, to to uh, best protect the people that you say you care about and represent? And again, and what are these Republicans who express their outrage going to do? Uh, and maybe more importantly, what are Democrats going to do? And how will this impact the 2018 elections? Whoa, so many questions for Congressman Ted Lieu from California, <laughs> Quite a bit. who joins us uh, coming up next. Quick break. Uh, Eugene, uh, <laughs> Eugene Scott stays with us as a friend of Bill for the whole hour. So do all of you. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. You've got it on this Wednesday, July 18, uh, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and reaching out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, those great men and women of our firefighting departments. Uh, We all count on them every single day, and they never let us down on the front lines protecting American families under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. So, uh... Hug a fire person today, fireman or firewoman uh, in your community, and uh, we thank them for the support of the program as well. To say we're coming to you all the way from Washington, D.C. to the shores of Southern California and Malibu and Santa Monica and uh, all those beautiful Venice and beautiful places, represented by Congressman Ted Lieu from California, who's here with us this morning. Hi, Congressman. It's good to see you. Honored to be here, Bill. As always, nice to see you, and thank you for the great work that you do representing people of California uh, and the people of the country. And, you, you know, we're here with uh, Eugene Scott from the, from the uh, Washington Post as well. So, Congressman, what did you think watching the President of the United States, your immediate reaction when you watched the President of the United States alongside of Vladimir Putin Monday? I served on active duty in the U.S. military, and I never imagined that our American commander-in-chief would stand next to Putin and deliver the talking points of the Kremlin. It was highly disturbing to watch. I felt almost physically nauseated, and it was just a complete 
disaster. I don't even know how else to describe what I saw. It was almost like I pledge allegiance to the flag of the Russian Federation, wasn't I, it? I, it was really shocking. And I think there was expectations that Trump would go to this summit and confront Putin hmm. on election meddling. He exactly did the opposite. He actually essentially chose to believe the words of a former KGB official over American intelligence professionals, which led to this extraordinary event of Dan Coats having to issue a press release that same day that he did not clear the White House, basically pushing back and essentially saying Russia attacked us and it's going to do it again. And we know that he went to Europe having been briefed on the fact by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein that 12 Russian military officers had infiltrated our election, had hacked into the DNC and the DCCC, given that information to WikiLeaks. And that 29-page indictment, um, Chris Wallace took it and tried to hand it to Putin, right? We sort of thought, I mean, that was an opportunity for Donald Trump to hold it in his hand hmm. and hand it to Putin and say, what about this? He did just the opposite. Right. Exactly. We were hoping he would ask Putin to extradite the 12 people that attacked American elections and for him to side with Putin over the United States Department of Justice and our intelligence community was really a slap in the face uh, to those professionals as well as to America. Essentially, the president in Helsinki on foreign soil threw America under the bus. But how surprised were you by that? I mean, based on how he has responded to this issue and specifically uh, to Putin, this was not his first time meeting with Putin to discuss these issues. Um, as much as it was a slap in the face and disappointing, were you actually surprised that he did not uh, press into Putin more? I was not surprised he didn't confront Putin more. What I was surprised was he went so much the other way, right. essentially praising Putin or attacking U.S. institutions on foreign soil. I think that's what was surprising to me and even to Republicans to to watch it happen with Putin standing there. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of voters I spoke with, Americans, uh, um, just felt very unsafe and very unprotected by uh, the person you expect yeah. to protect you most and when it comes to these topics. Yes, I think it's different between sort of reading the president's quotes uh, in a paper, watching him say something at a rally versus him standing next to Vladimir mm -hmm. Putin. I think the visual of that yeah. was much more emotional for many Americans. Right, right. And the president, not which was pretty bad to say that I believe Vladimir Putin over my director of national intelligence. He also went on to say that um, which Eugene and I talked a little bit about, and, and um, in fact, Senator Mark Warner made this point yesterday. When I was watching it, I kept thinking, and, he, and, and the more I heard him talk about, basically, I blame everybody. We're all in this together. And, you know, we're as bad as they are. I kept thinking, Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Here's Senator Mark Warner yesterday. This has a strange resemblance to the president's comments after he was so offensive, after the disturbances in Charlottesville where he equated the neo-Nazis with the protesters, he then walked back those comments a couple of days later for about 12 hours. So this moral equivalency, Congressman, is really a pro offensive, right. isn't it? It is. It's also straight out of the Kremlin's playbook. That is what Russia tries to counter with every single time you try to criticize Russia yeah. for what they did. Good point, but the right. moral equivalency uh, is, first of all, it's false. Mm -hmm. The United States and Russia are not the same. 
and Russia has done a lot of bad things, such as invading another country, mm-hmm. Ukraine. Uh, they and are killing f- journalists. They also kill journalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should know they that. They shoot down commercial airliner. I mean, you can go on yes, and on. You go right? on and you, on. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and the, the idea that uh, any problems that we have in our relationship, as the president said at that news conference, any problems we have, it's Robert Mueller's fault. It's nothing to do with Vladimir Putin. Okay. Right. Uh, that was a pretty shocking remark as well. Uh, but in a weird way, what Trump did in Helsinki actually, I think, now legitimizes even more Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation. How so? I think, I think now it's even harder for Trump to try to fire Mueller because you're going to have not only Democrats suspicious of the president's motives, you now have a number of Republicans who are openly wondering where do the president's loyalties lie. So then the question is, what happens? next. I mean, the Republicans, we heard more of them than before willing to stand up and express their disappointment or their criticism or their opposition to what Donald Trump said. But what are they going to do about it? Nothing. So let me give you an example. Yesterday, we had a very simple vote. Speaker Ryan came out and made some pretty strong statements condemning what Donald Trump said. Yeah, right. So Democrats basically put on the floor a motion to recommit that basically quoted Ryan's statements and said, we support it. (laughs) Republicans wouldn't vote for that very simple resolution. Would not even vote for that. No. But what they did do, I'm on the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah. yeah. uh, They did hold a hearing on whether groups like Diamond and Silk get enough Facebook likes. So that's what we were talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're getting to the- I'm so glad we got to the the, the really important issues Yes, that's what we were doing. Goodness. Yeah, that's speechless. It kind of takes your breath away, doesn't it? It does, because it's fascinating. On the same day, we talked about this earlier, uh, former President Barack Obama talked about how harmful social media has been in uh, polarizing us and spreading misinformation. Uh, and, and Diamond and Silk have been a part of that, obviously. Well, I'm glad they're not getting a lot of Facebook likes now. That's a good thing. <laughs> well, now. So, so we talked about with the Republicans. But uh, what I'm wondering is, I'm sorry, is somehow I got on their email or their email chain, and I get their emails, and it just you pisses. You probably like their page. You're a fan, Bill. I am not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it pisses me off, and I see this. At first, I didn't know who they were, and then I checked them out. I said, they're what on, the hell? They're on Fox News regularly talking about issues that they have no education or experience uh, in working in. Very, very often, um, yeah. and so so they're yeah. perfect allies for Donald Trump, mm. yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we just point. talked about what the Republicans uh, will not do, how they've refocused their attention in other areas. What response do you think the Democrats are going to have about this? I saw earlier a desire, um, I believe it was Representative Kennedy uh, on CNN talking about the desire to have a transcript of that meeting uh, that Putin and Trump had one on one. I think, first of all, the House Foreign Affairs Committee should hold a hearing as soon as possible on Russia. I think we also should subpoena their translator to Hmm. find out what was said in that private meeting, because now you're reading about alleged military agreements that were made, and Mm -hmm. no one knows what they were. It's deeply troubling, and under our Constitution, the executive branch and the legislative branch and judicial branch are three different power centers. But the legislative branch gets to have oversight over mm-hmm. the executive branch, and we can't have oversight. We have no idea of what the president is doing, so we you, need uh, to have that happen. You know, that's a good point that has not gotten, has not gotten much attention at all in the wake of this summit. Uh, all the focus has been on what was on television for 46 minutes. But that two hours of a private meeting 
and Putin, I've got my notes here somewhere, but Putin summed it up. All the things that they, Putin did, not Trump, but all when he went first, all the things that we agreed to and we summed up. I mean, he listed including like some, we're going to do some mil, some stuff on military together mm-hmm. in Syria and all this. Nobody knows what the substance of those, what, what Trump mm-hmm. agreed to, mm-hmm. right? Not even James Mattis. He wasn't in the room. Correct. And I think what Putin might not understand is America is not an authoritarian <laughs> regime. So right. it actually turns out that just because one person, Donald Trump, says X, mm-hmm. doesn't actually mean X happens. Mm-hmm. And so you have an entire federal bureaucracy, you've got the judicial branch, you've got the leg- legislative branch, and if Donald Trump committed to something not good for America or crazy, uh, then I think you're gonna have at least Congress start weighing in and stopping it. Now, I'm just checking here. I mean, he talked about restoring, this is Putin, restoring the acceptable level of trust. He talked about some new uh, negotiations on nuclear weapons, about where we're going to work together on anti-terrorism, Syria, best example of working together on North Korea, on Ukraine, a new working group, a business, all these kind of stuff, all that detail. And, you know, I kept looking at Donald Trump thinking, does Trump even remember talking about mm-hmm. all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Well, and we don't know. Is there a transcript? Right. Well, not only do we not know what happened in, in, in that meeting, what we do know is his last meeting with an authoritarian and North, the Korea. North Korean leader has resulted in exactly nothing, right? Mm-hmm. As we said here today, North Korea has not eliminated a single nuclear weapon, right. gotten rid of a single missile, mm-hmm. or eliminated their chemical weapon stockpile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not even clear to me that the president understands what he agrees to, and then actually what happens if there even is an agreement. So the, the hearing of the Foreign Relations Committee on... On, on Russia, a good first step, right? How, we how, absolutely need to have that happen. Again, yeah. the Republicans control the agenda, so it's up to them whether they want to have a hearing. I do know that the Senate Republicans are far more rational than House Republicans, so they're already calling and setting up a hearing with Mike Pompeo next week, so that's a good thing. How about a hearing on um, with Rod Rosenstein to talk about, get some more details on what these 12 military officers were up to? I would love to do that, except, again, you know what the House Judiciary Committee did last week? They had a hearing on Hillary Clinton's emails. Yeah. So that's where the Republicans are in the Congress. And if American people don't like that, they have a chance in November to change the makeup of Congress. So that's, that gets us to what one of the things that Eugene and I wanted to talk to you about is what impact, if any, do you think the what happened at, in Helsinki will have on the 2018 elections. Is this, so if Congress does nothing, then it's up to the the electorate, right? That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. right. And the first chance they'll have to express themselves is this November. That is correct. Now, Democrats have been running uh, on the economy, and we have a better deal for better jobs and better wages and a better future. And if you look at what happened, for example, in Connor Lamb's victory in Western Pennsylvania, the voters saw their paychecks. They knew that this GOP tax law was not helping them, and in some cases was hurting them. So they voted for the Democratic candidate. And you're gonna see that across America. You're gonna see people rise up because they are not getting the fruits of this economy. Uh, they are still being left behind, and they're gonna be upset in November. But in addition to the economy, do you think Donald Trump will be a deciding factor? I do. I mean, like basically a referendum on Trump? I think 
for some of the voters, that will definitely be motivated by what Trump's done, both in terms of his comments and his behavior. But one reason that the party controlling the White House historically loses a lot of seats in midterms is that the candidate coming into the White House makes a series of promises. Two years later, the voters know if their life is better. They right. know if their health care costs are going up. They know if they have a good job. They know if their wages went up. It doesn't matter what Trump says now. The voters know, and they're going to vote accordingly. That's why you see all these polls showing Democrats ahead. Do you think uh, pressing Trump on Russia would work for the Democrats' advantage in the midterms? Do you think that's uh, a topic that uh, the left base cares a lot about? I think it is an issue that certainly some Democratic candidates can talk about. I think overall it goes more to the issue that the president not only does not represent you, he doesn't represent America, and there is something wrong with his conduct and behavior for which we need a check and balance from the legislative branch. I think that's what the argument would be. Right. I mean, I personally don't actually have any problem with America having better relations with other countries, including mm -hmm. well, I, Russia. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. I mean, I think we would all say that, sure. But that doesn't mean that you turn a blind eye to right. anything Russia does. That's yeah. correct. Those relationships cannot improve without acknowledging the problems that uh, have led to the poor relationship happening. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you saw <laughs> uh, a tweet earlier today from uh, the president, um, which sort of anticipating that this argument may come up. Um, it's now an hour ago, but here's what he tweeted. Some people hate all caps, hate the fact, here it is, hate the fact that I got along well with President Putin of Russia. They would rather go to war than see this. It's called, he says, Trump derangement syndrome. Hmm. Um, I didn't exactly hear you advocating going to war with Russia, Congressman. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think but, the president doesn't uh, understand that you can have better relations with another country, but at the same time hold them accountable for mm -hmm. their attack on the United States, as well as their attack on Ukraine and their funding of Iran's military, as well as the other bad things that they do. Just because you want to have better relations with another country doesn't mean you get to not hold them accountable for the bad things that they've done. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that you necessarily, that the only alternative is to send in the Marines, right, right, or the military. I mean, it's right. just, it's, it's. I made this point earlier. It's like Donald Trump says, if you don't agree with me on the wall, then you're for open borders. Right, right. Yeah, no, he uh, very often uh, explains his political opponent's position in a way that they themselves would not recognize, which makes working together on something remotely bipartisan almost impossible. I mean, you would know that better than I. So, That's, well, not only... Is it hard to get bipartisan agreement? It's also hard often for him to get agreements within his own party mm -hmm. because he also will criticize members of his own party in ways that they uh, cannot imagine. Sure. Uh, I want to get into some internal house stuff here in just a second, but I do have to ask you, in terms of, again, reaction and uh, on part of uh, the Congress to what the president, what we saw in Helsinki on Monday, um, there have been efforts to... Um, introduce articles of impeachment against the president. My recollection is that you supported that, correct, or am I wrong? I support having a debate on the okay. impeachment issue, which means that we should 
be able to have this resolution heard in the Judiciary Committee. That was my, my vote. My view as to whether I would vote for impeachment would be that we would need more information from the Mueller investigation. Okay. Does what Donald Trump did on Monday uh, make you more inclined to vote for impeachment? And do you think it will make other Democrats more inclined to consider impeachment, take impeachment seriously? I think, again, it depends on what the Mueller investigation reveals. Uh, there will be a difference between Trump uh, wanting to say these things with Putin because he just has this fascination with Vladimir Putin versus Trump wants to do this because Putin has something over him. Those are very two, two very different rationales, and we need to know which one it is. Or that Putin has something over him or that, in fact, he did collude with Putin or his team did, right? Correct. Uh, right. And... Donald Trump keeps saying, and he said again, if, if, if you know, this great picture in the New York Times of his notes and on the pre prepared statement he had written in big letters, there was no collusion, because he has to keep saying that over and over and over again. Yeah. The fact is, we don't know whether there's collusion yet or not. That's correct. We don't know. And it's possible that he doesn't know, and it's also possible that he does know if there actually was and could possibly be saying, continuing to say that there wasn't to protect himself. But what we do know is there was correlation. We know that the Russians would take certain actions and the Americans would take certain actions that were synced timeline-wise. Yeah. yeah, like saying, hey, Russia, if you're listening, can you please find those emails? And, and they did. And they did that day. That's yes. right. Yeah. right. Oh, yeah. that was just a coincidence. It was just a coincidence. Uh, yeah. You know you know what's also odd about that photo, and I hope I don't mean to be petty, but yeah. there is no collusion is, is Trump's catchphrase. You would think he would have been able to spell collusion correctly. Uh, you know, I, I know. People I know, get on I me know. all the time because I make fun of him because he can't spell. And, like, you should just know, especially that word. I mean, like, yeah. it, I'm not asking for a hard no, word. Like, no, he, no. he should have that one. No. But, but yeah. you also have evidence that Americans had advanced knowledge that Russia had these hacked emails and were going to release them on American public. So George Papadopoulos definitely knew that. The uh, question is, who else did he tell in the Trump campaign? Uh, Roger Stone knew that. Yeah, yeah we know that. That's correct. Right. We, we, we know that uh, as well. Um, so the Democratic Party uh, in the Democrats in the House had a little shocker when... Um, the chair of the uh, House Democratic Caucus, Joe Crowley, suddenly bounced out by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, Chairman Tom Perez of the DNC was sitting right where you are, Congressman, uh, about a week ago. I asked him about her and her amazing victory, and he said something which ended up making a lot of news and getting a lot of reaction from the right-wingers and, and the conservative media. I was surprised. He said, she's the future of the Democratic Party. Do you agree? First of all, I think she ran a great race. And if you read her own statements about why she won, uh, she basically says she outworked uh, her opponent. And I think she's going to be an amazing member of Congress. I look forward to working with her. The Democratic Party is a big tent. Uh, we have lots of people with lots of different views. But only at the end of the day, what we're fighting for are your middle class, ordinary working Americans trying to improve everyone's lives so that they can continue to achieve the American dream. And you know, she's young, she's a woman, she's a Latina. person of color, she's yeah. a Latina, and she's a progressive, I mean, and, and she's 
Yeah, and, and a lot of energy, right? Absolutely. So I hope she's the future of the Democratic Party. Um, so that leaves a vacancy uh, with Joe Crowley's seat as head of the Democratic Caucus. And yesterday, one of your colleagues, Linda Sanchez, said she's going to run for that seat. Do you support her? I would like to know uh, everyone who is running. I think it's a little early. I think... Um, we'll know a little better I'm just after. Just to put you on the November. spot here. So, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I think she's done a good job as vice yeah. chair. Yeah, she has. That's right. She's been vice chair for, for a while, right? Uh, correct. Uh, uh, and so it's not unexpected that she would seek right. the chair, right? That she is didn't, correct. Uh, and um, and but she probably won't be the only one, is what you're saying. That's my sense, but we'll see. Right. Um, what about the the leadership above above that? You know, we've got. Uh, the three long-standing senior Democrats have been there. Uh, speaker, former right. Speaker, <laughs> Leader Pelosi, uh, Steny Hoyer, and uh, James Clyburn from South Carolina. Uh, any chance of any change in that leadership, or do you think there should be? Uh, I support our current leadership. It's one reason we're in the position we are now, which is we're poised to take back the House this November. Um, if that does not happen, then I imagine there will be some leadership changes. Uh, if we do take back the House, I would expect Nancy Pelosi to be the next speaker. What What are you seeing as uh, the biggest uh, obstacle that could make taking back the House difficult for the Democrats? So one is resources. Mm -hmm. uh, Republicans have these super PACs. You got Koch brothers. You have Sheldon Adelson. You have very, very wealthy Republicans that are dumping extraordinary amounts of money uh, into these various congressional races. So just trying to fight mm -hmm. back and at least you know, not get uh, too blown away with the money disparity. That would be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, um, there's a, it, it, not, nothing's a done deal, but uh, chances look good if Democrats they, don't blow it. <laughs> they do yeah. look good. Uh, Hillary Clinton was also supposed to win, so I've stopped predicting <laughs> what's going to happen in November. Wise man for many reasons. Congressman Ted Lou, thanks so much. Congressman, for all you're doing. Thank you. Thanks Bill. for coming in. It's great to visit with you. And Eugene Scott, it's always good to have you on always, board as well. Always. Okay. Come back again soon. We'll do. Yep. All right. Uh, and we will leave the rest of the day up to all of you. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. But don't forget, come back and see us again tomorrow. This we'll be looking for you. This is the Bill Press Show.